Special Agent Jefferson Chief Bradley. Journal entry, January 5th, 2009. It's just about midnight. You know what the dictionary says about sickness? The impairment of normal physiological function affecting part or all of an organism. How far can that sickness spread? Well, from animals to people, we already know. Bird flu being the most recent threat. From people to people is a given. Millions sent to an untimely end in the last century alone. From people to their environment is also established. Hence we why we would burn the bedclothes of anyone with hemorrhagic fever. What about from the environment to the city itself? Can the very air which we breathe become tainted, poisonous in itself? Can every paving stone glisten with unseen malice? In short, can a city kill? If you'd asked me that question three months ago, I would probably have noted the word paranoid in your case file. I would have looked on you as having a diseased mind in need of treatment. Yet, right here and right now, I know that my pen would hover in uncertainty. Because there are things beyond nature that are inexplicable. I've seen them. I've considered their place in the ecology of this world that, until I heard of Delta Green, have been grounded in the certainty of recorded science. That those certainties have been eroded by my own experience, as former certainties of the makeup of our world have also been disproved by the mainstream, so I wonder, what do any of us really know? Perhaps this is the pathology of insanity, and if it is, then what terrors will we face should the king in yellow, the embodiment of Haster, who dwells in chaos on the distant planet of Aldebaran, truly arrive in our time and space? To be helpless in the grasp of such an entity as the virus of insanity leaps from wildfire, from house to house, street to street, neighbor to neighbor, is a vision of hell. I have looked into the faces of those held in insanity's sway. I have listened and recorded their voices, empty, vicious, deluded, and twisted, as they recounted their horrendous deeds inflicted on the innocent. The naked ape needs no encouragement to brutality. Imagine that worst part of our nature is unleashed and magnified by a factor of hundreds, with no remorse, no regrets, and no understanding of the destruction left behind. This evening began with a thin line of lawmen working the evidence. Matthews and Lee were still processing the encrypted data stolen from the Thibodeau warehouse in Materi. Anderson sent Adam and Nancy to explore the underground of the buildings marked on the maps we liberated, and additional intelligence was garnered on the Thibodeau Company's involvement with each location. It appears that they have staff in them, all of them, notably at the Superdome, where they control venue security in some of the franchises. We speculated on the events of the night of the 15th of January and whether these locations represent a stage of development in the King's arrival. The truth is, though, that we don't know enough of this hypothesis to have any certainty, although 
Anderson and Pierce discussed the doomsday scenario of a dirty bomb causing mass panic in the city that would spread statewide. This emerged as federal authorities have never recovered the radium lamp that alleged deceased terrorists brought to the city back in October. Pierce muttered something about Sapphira being the last person to say she had it, but didn't elaborate and implied it was too late now anyhow. Anderson has asked Nick the Fixer as a fresh face to get a job at the Superdome so that we have at least one pair of eyes and ears on the inside. Frost also checked with First Artist, Representatives of the stars allegedly appearing at the venue, that they were actually coming, and it appears that they are. Much debate was also given to the matter of the spirits that Jeanette Lafarve summoned up and what this walking antediluvian is up to here. Initially, we were resident to confront what Adam was called a serpent man, literally a sentient ophidian who has a magical ability to consume victims and then assume their likenesses. We wondered what his motives might be and why he was drawn to the city now. Suggestions that he might be an ally of the king were swiftly dismissed once we discovered that one of his victims, history professor Barney Frank, was the last person to check out the copy of The King in Yellow We Risked All For in Cellarface, and dated after Frank was reported missing. Pierce started looking into cases of other skinned bodies in the area, while I took Frost and Wilmot and headed out to look for Laline Dumont, the other member of The Walking Dead, last seen at Ginger's Bar in Algiers. That is when the full disease that infects this city became apparent to me. All around us, Drugs, sex, and violence could be seen in the open. Society's ills alive and well on neon-washed streets. I was assaulted by two men, a mugging that nearly became a homicide. I was forced to use my sidearm to wound one of my assailants, but not before a butcher's knife had nearly penetrated my flesh. I was lucky. I called for backup, and Frost and Wilmot came stat. I was safe, but I couldn't catch my breath. I felt dizzy and nauseous, my ears ringing with a discordant saxophone that had been the soundtrack to the assault. It seemed as long as that music was in my head, the more ill I felt. As soon as we left the environs of Algiers, though, the pain in my chest eased and I could breathe again. So we now return to the dark belly of the beast. At least now I know what it is I face. It is the city itself that must be saved. Madness lives in these streets, and it must be cleansed before the soul of New Orleans, always a stained radiance, is lost forever. <laughs>